really try and figure out what is interesting intellectually uh, instead of just trying to make money on these small gigs here and there. I think that that kind of bet has always paid out uh, well for me. Just moving from the mindset of like, if I do this, you secure like $5,000 like tomorrow versus yeah. like investing the time into learning stuff and actually understanding more things. Uh, yeah, that, that's always a good bet, I think. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today's guest is Julian. Can you give a brief introduction of yourself? Thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Julian. I am the CEO and co-founder of a crypto project called Ribbon Finance. Um, we are like the first and largest uh, structured product protocol uh, on Ethereum. And I think a few months ago at our peak, we had over $300 million of assets on the platform. That's interesting. How'd you get into this? Interestingly, I, I think I've been like a career crypto person. Yeah. Uh, I, I got into it in my uh, freshman year of college. Um, and I, I never had a, another real job other than sort of working different crypto gigs. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to high school. How was high school like for you? High school? I, I did high school in Singapore. Um, yeah. I'm actually Malaysian, but I, I sort of came to Singapore to do high school. And I think um, it was very regimented. Like uh, there was a very clear path that I was told to follow. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I, I did okay. But in my last two years of high school, I was quite unhappy with like yeah. uh, being forced to do all these things. I, I just wanted to do my own thing. So I, I also went through a bit of like a rebel phase, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, overall, I think it worked out fine. Uh, I was just a bit unhappy at, at, yeah. at a few points in time. Yeah. No, that happened. So what'd you want to be in high school? Like, was there any job you aspired to be? Um, I've always wanted to do something business related. So I, I, I think from a very, very young age, I, I was just very interested in business uh, in, in how different types of businesses work in, in how we can optimize different processes to make more money or, or do things more efficiently. I ran a few like small side gigs in high school, just to, like make money, uh, but none of them were like real scalable businesses. Uh, what would yeah. you run? Like what kind of side gigs? Because I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs. They've always like I used to tutor in high school, sell sneakers. What'd you do? Yeah, I, I basically resold a bunch of like electronics uh, I, I tried to do a bunch of services around like food delivery, uh, all, all sorts of like random stuff. None of them really took off at any meaningful scale, but I think, you know, I, I wanted to do this kind of thing. Um, once I started learning a bit more about technology, I think combining like business interests plus like interest in technology, I, I knew that I wanted to do something in like the startup world. So yeah, I think my direction there was pretty clear, uh, even from like high school or middle school. Okay. So you actually went to college, but how was that like for you and why did you drop out? Yeah. So I went to college for two years. I, I went to uh, Cornell, which was in the US. I think yeah. my parents were like really happy that I got into Cornell. That's that's um, an Asian parent's dream. So I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I had this phase where I, I just didn't want to do college. 
but eventually, you know, I got, I got convinced to, to apply and, and uh, I attended for two years. And yeah, I think it, it was pretty good. Um, I was very lucky that um, Cornell specifically had a very strong like crypto alumni network. Yeah. So uh, when I got there, I, I, I was really... I was sort of able to meet a lot of these like famous and, and successful crypto entrepreneurs. Interestingly, I did my first year at Cornell and then I took like a, a, a one year gap year to, to just explore a bunch of stuff in, in, in startups and crypto. And then I came back for another year and then I, I finally decided to drop out. So it was a bit of like a long winded journey there. Yeah. So what was the defining point that you're like, all right, I'm not coming back. I know what I'm going to do. I think when I took my first gap year, I was really just like exploring. Um, I did like internships and stuff. Uh, so I, I just got some work experience. I, 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 I worked at a few different crypto companies. Um, but I think at, at the end of the whole year, I, I was still like unsure what I wanted to do. And it wasn't very clear that if I were to try and like start a business now, it probably wouldn't work. This is also in like, you know, when crypto was not cool in 2018. Yeah. Okay. It was really when when Bitcoin was like it dropped from like twenty thousand to like three thousand. So I lost I lost uh, like eighteen k man. I bought December twenty seventeen. <laughs> I was like I should have bought one month earlier or one month later. I would have been rich. But yeah, it definitely was a lot of news and then it dropped. Yep, exactly. So at that point, I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I, I went back to college. I think I thought, okay, um, let me just go learn some stuff for like another year or two and see what happens. But one year later, I think um, I started sort of talking to a bunch of people in, in the industry and a different company offered me like a really interesting job. So uh, that was at Coinbase and, and they were like starting out this new team, which is working on some very interesting stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, if they are willing to sort of offer me a full-time thing, like I just don't need to go back to school. So yeah. I think... That was also easy to convince my parents because um, it wasn't as if I was like leaving college to just bum around. Like yeah. I, I had a, a, a pretty well-paying job and it was like a pretty clear path of, of where I could go. Um, so yeah, I don't think it was as crazy as it may sound. Yeah, no, it does, it, it's the smart decision because you could go two years or you could get experience and getting experience with a company like Coinbase in the crypto area just really set you up for success. And I'm pretty sure that was the perfect timing because we had another run in 2021 and getting that two years experience. So how was it like working at Coinbase? It was good. Um, I think when I joined, it was maybe sub a thousand people. And when I I left, it it was like way, way bigger. So for sure, when I joined, it was like, it still felt like quite like a startup. A company was relatively small, but I think in the, in the following two years, like it just ballooned like crazy and, and yeah, yeah. It, became, it, it really grew up as a company. So I really liked my time there. I learned a lot, but uh, eventually just uh, decided to do my own thing. Did you leave one day and start your own thing or you were building up to it? Even while I was, I was at Coinbase uh, for like a, a year and a half, um, my roommate and I, who's now my co-founder, we, we both worked at Coinbase and, and we were both roommates. Yeah. So we, we, we were just like hacking on stuff on, on nights and weekends. Like we were building all sorts of stuff, uh, just like trying new things, uh, trying to create new things in crypto. Um, so I think we had a very good sense of like what is like the, the cutting edge in the industry right now. Uh, we, we had like our experience on our day jobs, but we would also just spend like nights and weekends 
tinkering around and, and learning stuff. So I, I think we had a few ideas and finally the point came where like, I think we had a pretty good idea. Um, and I, I had a f- bunch of friends who were VCs and, and they, they basically just told me like, okay, if you leave, you'll like fund you and stuff. So I think that gave us conviction to be like, okay, fuck it. Let's just, uh, let, yeah. let's leave this big company and try this out. Okay. So how was it being business partners with a roommate? How did both of you make it work? Um, we like go back many, many years. I think we met in like high school. So we've been like working on projects for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. I think it was not as bad. Like, I, I think by now it's like a, an old married couple. You already know yeah. how, how each other likes to work, working style and, and the way we resolve like disagreements. At that point, we had already gotten over all of that. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty natural, I think, that we we knew we were going to just work on stuff together. Okay, no, that's cool. So now you left Coinbase. How was raising money? Like, how did it happen? Like, did you have to, like, do a lot of talks or you just got the money? And what project did you settle yourself on? Yeah, so um, it is basically the project uh, which people know today, which is Driven Finance. I think our initial idea was, like, let's try and create a new type of yield product in crypto that uses these like option strategies. Uh, that was like the core thesis. And initially, honestly, when we, when we tried to do our seed round, it wasn't as easy as uh, people think. So yeah. we got like so many rejections. I think for me, I, I, I was like pretty depressed a bunch of times because I, I, I felt like, I felt like sometimes these rejections were like an attack on me, but obviously yeah. they were not. It feels so, personal. It feels personal because I know you You meet with them, things are good, and then they either ghost you or they're just like, nah, we're not interested. Exactly. So I, I think um, a lot of VCs are good at like, you know, showing interest uh, so that they can get the deal. But if, if they're not interested, they'll sort of just 180. So yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. So I, I thought it's like, damn, but you were so interested like two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we pitched a bunch of people. I think uh, eventually we, we got a few good funds to come in and, and lead the round. So it worked out fine. But I think it was a bit stressful because I didn't know the game that I was playing really. Um, it was much, much easier like the second and third time I, I, I did uh, fundraisers. So what do you wish you knew the first time around? Interestingly, uh, I was maybe trying to be like too honest about yeah. I'll like humble, like, okay, I'm not so sure if this is going to work, but, but I think it will, you know, but I, I think for, for people doing their first round, you just need to exude some sort of irrational confidence that yes, this is like the way it's going to happen. Like I haven't built this yet, but I know it's going to be like successful. I think people like that kind of energy. So that's like uh, some fundraising tips, I suppose. And also I didn't really understand the game of um, sort of, FOMO and getting getting multiple parties interested in the same thing and getting them to bid against each other. The, these are all like mechanics of fundraising that I didn't really know. I think I, I was just pretty naive. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've sort of learned that since. Okay, that's awesome. Now, you got the funding. How did it make you feel? Because I know it's brutal. A lot of meetings and you finally get that money and you can move your dream forward. How did that feel for you? Yeah, no, it felt great. I think uh, we raised initially $1.8 million. Um, and at that time, it was just still me and my co-founder. So we, we felt like, okay, finally we can like hire people. 
finally we can we can get an office and and and, and move this thing along instead of just us us two like hiking on stuff together. So yeah, I think it was great. We had some ideas of like, okay, if this doesn't work out, like you know, I'm just gonna self fund this un- until successful. But I think it was like very relieving to know that we had this sort of uh, small war chest for us to use on, on, on any business expenses. Um, and yeah, I think just also having these people involved, getting some investors involved gives you a lot of confidence because like, you know, you now you have like a team of supporters. You, you have people who are, have yeah. like a vested interest in you being successful. So yeah, I think definitely very relieving and, and it's very nice to finally have like sign, sign the papers and have these people on your side versus like negotiating against them. Yeah. Now you raised that money. What? Like was the big first like move that you made or the big first success that you got? Because you raised the money. What was that thing that stood out after? Yeah. So we raised the money uh, two months after we started the company and we launched our first product about five months after we launched the company. I think when we launched the product, we had these like caps on, on, on how much people could use it because we were a little bit worried about like, Okay, what if we launch and there's like too much demand or something? So yeah. we, we kept it at uh a thousand ETH for, for our first product. And I think that was maybe something in the range of two million dollars US. Yeah. Um and I think one very crazy thing that happened was like when we launched the product, we sort of reached these caps in like 10 minutes. Like wow. We we were just so surprised at how much uh demand there is for, for these types of things and people were waiting for it. And uh yeah, we were just sitting there and refreshing and suddenly it was full. And we were like, holy shit, people actually <laughs> want to use this. So I, I think that was definitely the first first big win that we had. Every su- subsequent product we launched had very similar types of traction. So I think that's when we knew, okay, we, we actually have something here and let's try and actually scale this from like a small thing to like a really big project. What did you struggle with while building the company? So you had some good success as you're hitting it, but what were the struggles? Yeah, I think overall market timing and, and you know, the, going through these crypto cycles is always quite painful. So if people, if your audience is not sort of aware, we're currently in a bit of like a down cycle from yeah. last year. So with that, I mean, you feel that all this progress sort of, you just retrace all this progress because so many people are using your products. So many people, your, your, the access to your platform is growing and growing and growing. You're reaching all, all like all time highs. And then, uh, suddenly all of it just sort of retraces. And it's not even like your fault per se. It's more like people are just scared overall. People don't want to use these things anymore. People generally just lose interest in trying out DeFi projects. So yeah, I think it's definitely difficult to figure out how do we keep the fire going in like a, a part of the cycle where people are just losing interest. Uh, yeah. So we, we have just been spending the last like six months, you know, trying to figure out, okay, people are not using it now, but like how do we set up ourselves for the next cycle? And what are some products we can build now that hopefully will become really, really big in, in the next run? So I think it's a little bit of, less of like instant gratification of launching it and it being successful immediately. You have, you have to sort of think a bit more long-term and, and be a bit more patient. I think I, I'm a bit more in that mentality right now. Yeah, I mean, it's important for crypto because I had Bitcoin in 2014. I sold during the first crash. 
crash three hours later, then it goes up again, you know, then it goes up, then it was like 2017, then another one, 2021. And it's one of those things that there are people who are more reasonable and they're like, hey, be mindful. And then people who are mortgaging everything and some of them losing, and it's really sad to see, but it does become cult-like. So how do you maintain that that long-term vision while being in an industry that's just so very cult-like? You know, you get some people who are just like, hey, it's going to go to 100K. I remember some people saying 100K by December. Yeah, I think it's pretty uh, difficult. So when we actually launched our token in uh, Q4 of last year, that was like the peak of the bull market. That was like the last uh, part of the cycle. So we we didn't intentionally time it like that, but it, it just happened to play out that way. And there was so much like irrational exuberance and excitement about our project that uh, sort of a lot of people just sort of had so much expectations about our project that the valuations just really went a bit crazy. So for example, some benchmarks are like, I think at our peak, like our valuation was at like $5 billion, which is like ridiculous. Uh, We we are not even anywhere close to that. So I think there was just way too much excitement uh, about these things. So yeah, hopefully now things have cooled down a lot. I think people are a lot more rational about, okay, this project's probably not worth $5 billion yet. Uh, Let's be a bit more rational about how, how we think about these things. I think that that makes it a, a lot more easy for us to also just like talk to our community, uh, think about new types of product ideas without being sort of short-term minded and like, okay, how do we juice this more? Like, how do we uh, get the project a bigger and bigger right now? Um, yeah, so I've just been trying to think about like, how do we build these advantages that we can compound in the next cycle and we can really, like, how do we win in the long term versus like, how do we pump our price now? Definitely more in that 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 zone right now. Okay. So you've obviously done a lot of things that really set you apart. What are some of the habits that you felt like that you gained through high school early in your career that really set you apart? Because it's not easy for someone like you where you did the nights and weekends, you're working a job, you're obviously a smart person because you got into a great university. How do you maintain that and how do you be consistent? Because I see so many people just burn out, right? Smart early in their career and then they just can't maintain it. In terms of habits, I don't really, I, I have a pretty unhealthy uh, schedule, I suppose. Like I, I sleep really odd hours, uh, but I, I do I, too. <laughs> I do too. So I know what you mean. Yeah. So that's something I'm trying to fix. I, I think one other thing that I'm trying to fix is uh, my brain's always just like always turned on and yeah. it's probably not the best for like health. Um I think you want to be able to turn off your brain and, and sleep better and really yeah. uh, chill out a bit more versus being always plugged in. So those are some things I'm trying to fix. Um, other than that, I, I've been picking up, you know, I've been trying to step away from my computer. Uh, I picked up tennis in the last few oh, months. So I've nice. so been, been very active in that. I also do play some computer games, which is like great for chilling. Um, but yeah, I think these are some ways for me to plug away from... Uh, work or computer time and just makes me not like burn out by being on on your computer seven days a week, like 15 hours a day. Yeah, no, it gets crazy. What are some big mistakes that you've made along the way? Big mistakes. Um, Yeah, there there were some points in time throughout the, 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 uh, the last cycle where we were thinking of just not like, of like giving up on crypto. I think, uh, 
So maybe this is not a big mistake that I made particularly, but a mistake that I'm very cognizant of that other people close to me have made. So we have a lot of friends in in, in the industry who have been working on some projects and um, maybe they haven't really shown signs of traction. Maybe it's not really working out, but they, they, they sort of give up a bit too early. So for example, I think one of my friends, he, he was working on like one of the biggest NFT marketplaces in like 2018, 2019. So they were like the most successful, but the NFT space was just so small. And they basically shut down their company like six months before NFTs went insane. That's like a very, very painful experience because I mean, um, you you would have become like a $10 billion company in the next year if you persisted. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm very cognizant of just like making sure that there's like a fine line between, you know, giving up on something that's not working versus like persisting. So I, I'm always just trying to think about, okay, if, if these things don't work out, maybe we should just persist and, and wait, be, be a bit more patient versus like, okay, it's not working out. Let's, let's pull the plug immediately. Yeah. I see that happen all, all types of business that you just, you didn't stick around long enough. Now, yep. what are some things that people who are looking to get into crypto, what are the things that they should do? Like what skills should they pick up? One of the best things about crypto, in my opinion, is uh, people don't really care about credentials as much as maybe some other traditional industries. So, for example, one kind of phenomenon that's very interesting is these like anonymous characters are, are very popular in crypto. So, who go by some pseudonym and they have like this anime profile picture. Yeah, uh, people they are like objectively really smart. Uh, there's no way like a, a bank would hire this type of person, yeah. right? Or, or like a hedge fund maybe. Uh, but I think in crypto, the culture is sort of uh, pretty open that, you know, if we respect that person's intellectual skills, like we'll just work with them. Like we'll hire them. So I think some of like the top funds, uh, the top projects in the space, uh, a lot of them work with these like anonymous characters. Yeah. So I think that's like a really good opportunity for people because um, even if you don't have a degree, maybe you live in some random country or you don't even speak good English. Like if you are smart objectively, I think there are many, many companies in the space that will want to work with you. I, I even have this friend who's like, uh, like he, he's in high school and, yeah. and he works at one of the best like companies in the space. I think he really just built his reputation online purely by just being like, really good at programming. So yeah, I think there's very low credentialism in the space and people are very uh, meritocratic and, and and really judge people by their skills. So e- even at our company, we, we hired a few people who were like anonymous. Later we found, found out who they are, but I mean, I don't know if they would have been able to get like a traditional job at like a tech company or something, but I mean, they were like really, really good. So yeah, I think one of the best things in the space is just like there are many opportunities for people regardless of experience. Um, in terms of what skills are useful, I think obviously programming is like the biggest one. There's always like a, a shortage of programmers and especially like blockchain programmers is, is sort of still quite a small uh, niche skill. So yeah, I think anyone who wants to get into space, I definitely recommend just like learning Solidity and some of these like smart contract programming languages. There's just like infinite demand to hire these people. Yeah. 
No, I know, like, I hang out on Twitter space a lot. And yeah, one of the people I know, his name is RR. That's all I know. It's just like this, this NFT has this profile photo and he's very good. He gets, you know, good business and very knowledgeable when uh, they speak. So now, yeah. how has the industry changed over time? Because crypto is one of those industries like 2017 to 2022 has been massive, just change, adoption, how accessible it is, the new opportunities. And so how overall, how would you say the industry has changed over time? In 2017, there was really not that much substance. So there were all these like crazy ideas of like, let's build Uber on the blockchain and like, let's do all these like loyalty points and all this crazy stuff. But realistically, none of them were really materialized. At that point, they were they were just ideas. And throughout the, the, the last few years, there's been like a new wave of, of use cases or, or categories called like DeFi, which is yeah. let's like rebuild the financial system on the blockchain. Let's like take everything we know about Wall Street and all these like financial contracts and put them in code. And that has worked out like tremendously well, like, I think at the peak of like hundreds of billions of dollars within these like DeFi apps, uh, these things really, really took off at, at some meaningful scale. And I think most interestingly in the last year, maybe two years, uh, we have seen another wave, which is like the NFT wave. So these NFT waves have been to me like the most important one uh, in terms of like crypto adoption in the world, because I think now crypto has a real like, Web3, crypto slash Web3 is like a very real, like cultural uh, meaning in the world because, you know, anyone from like your fa- your, your favorite, like basketball players to like Paris Hilton. And uh, I don't know, a lot of celebrities yeah. are sort of into uh, NFTs and Web3. And a lot of them have even like started these companies in this space. So I, I think definitely like, even if you're not, you know, like a finance guy or like a, a coding guy or a tech person, I think there's so many interesting like cultural stuff uh, that's happening now in like the NFT space. So which which I think there are so many opportunities there. You, even, you know, uh, if you're interested in fashion or you're interested in like sneaker collection or watch collection, like all these things have like different use cases uh, in crypto. So I definitely feel like we are currently at a state where, you know, whatever you're interested in, I'm pretty sure there's like a small little niche or subset within the, yeah. the industry for you to, to pursue something. Uh, and also gaming is getting to be, yeah. become like another big one. So I think, I mean, every young person is a gamer. So I, yeah. I'm pretty sure as crypto games get bigger and bigger, like there'll be a ton of opportunities for people to just like, pursue interesting ideas and and make money and and like build their careers in this space. Looking back at your career, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Um, I think, I I think I was was sort of lucky with like timing, uh, sort of like fully committing all into crypto uh, in 2017 and not like leaving. I think that was like the the best decision I've made uh, because I have so many friends who who left in the middle of the bear market and they they, yeah. they have to sort of restart their career again now in crypto. So yeah, definitely I think my best accomplishment is just sticking to it and just having conviction on the space as a whole. And yeah, just slowly building up my reputation and, and name in industry. Yeah, so definitely I, I would say it's just like not, not, not giving yeah. up too early. No, that's good. What would you say you're most proud of? 
I'm pretty proud of this company. I think uh, we've gone from like zero to a few hundred million dollars of assets in, in, in less than two years. Uh, it was like a thing that worked off the bat. So I, I didn't have to sort of explore a bunch of ideas for, for years before I hit on something. I, I think it, it worked pretty pretty well off the bat. So yeah, I'm pretty proud of this current company and we'll, we'll see how it pans out over the next few years. I think with your work ethic and commitment, I see it, you know, growing. So now let's go back to a little on the darker side. What was the hardest period of your life that you went through? Yeah, so I think um, I was like pretty depressed at, at the end of last year. So as I mentioned, like, you know, we, we had like so much built up excitement about our project and yeah. this sort of pushed up the, the project to like really unreasonable expectations. So with that obviously came a fall, right? Like once I think some rationality set in, like the, the valuation of our product just went down a lot, really just like a correction, but it felt a lot like it was my fault. Like why couldn't I sustain, you know, the, these things? Like why, why if I let all these people down, definitely felt uh, it was like on me to, to fix this problem. Uh, but I think, yeah, just talking through these issues, my co-founder thinking about like, some some things which are like just corrections in in markets are, are not our fault, uh, and there's no like way you can't fix these things. Uh, yeah, it's just like the natural course of markets. So yeah, I think we we just had to get over that hump and uh, sort of ignore it altogether and and just try and build uh, continue build. Uh, but yeah, I think for a good few months I was like kind of depressed and just annoyed that I couldn't sort of. I couldn't sort of solve this problem. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes some problems just, you know, you can't fix the whole economy, right? There are only so, certain things yeah, that exactly. are in your control. Now, have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree? Not really. I think it's actually become like cool to, yeah. to not have a degree. So I, I, I would say, you know, a few years ago, maybe like five years ago, it would be, you might feel a bit insecure. But at this point, 2022, uh, there's so many like success stories that, it's almost a little bit cool and like edgy, like somewhat yeah. fashionable to, to not have a degree. So I always felt okay with it. Um, and I, at least for me, I, I felt like, uh, it, yeah, it, it's not as if I, I, I actually did go to, to college and I, I tried it out. So I got what I wanted from it. Um, I just didn't need to finish it. Was like sort of my main, how I reason about why I, uh, why I left. Yeah. Now, what advice would you give to people who are sort of 18 and they're really interested in the crypto space? Like, how would you like advise them? Because I found a lot of young people, they're very good, but sometimes they end up following, they go to like these, what are they called? Shit coins, like those coins, you know, every day there's a coin that's like yeah. one millionth of a penny and it's going to grow when they throw around. But how would you tell them to properly get involved in community so that they're getting knowledge so that by the time they spend two to three years in the space, they're serious and they can get a good job? I would say like definitely try not to optimize for how much money you can make in the next like month or two. Like that would lead you to just doing these short-term scammy projects that really you won't learn anything from it. So yeah, uh, yeah one thing I maybe I forgot to, to say but was like, during my gap year, I was supposed to do this internship for like a whole year. But halfway through, I, I felt like 
you know, I was doing work in, in the industry, but I, I still didn't really understand like the fundamentals of the space. Like there were so many core concepts about like what blockchains were and like how it actually worked like under the hood that I didn't really understand. I was sort of like a web developer at that company. So I, I didn't really learn the nitty gritty. So I actually left my internship early and just spent like a whole summer like reading papers and like learning fundamentals of like how these things actually work. Uh, just like self-study for a few months. Um, so I, I actually think that was like maybe the most helpful part of my career. Just like instead of going from, you know, build this, build that, try this, try that, to just actually understanding, okay, how do these things actually work? And I would highly recommend like any young person uh, instead of just chasing projects and like, you know, trying to make money here and there, like just invest the time into figuring out uh, how these things work, uh, why these things work the way they do. I actually have like a strong core fundamental uh, understanding of the space. I think that is like super helpful in terms of what kinds of ideas you get in the future, in terms of understanding the space, in terms of even knowing like what is just like fake. Um so yeah, I think if you're young, you you have time. Uh, just spend like two months, three months, really, really reading every paper out there and like trying to learn uh, as much as you can. Um, I would say that's probably my best piece of advice. If you saw your 18-year-old self today in 2022, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? <laughs> uh, I think I, I'll probably be pretty happy with myself uh, if my 18-year-old self knew the yeah. current uh, trajectory. Uh, but I'll probably just tell him like, don't just chase like the next shiny thing like all the time, I think. Really try and figure out what is interesting intellectually uh, instead of just trying to make money on these small gigs here and there. I think that that kind of bet has always paid out uh, well for me. Just moving from the mindset of like, if I do this, secure like $5,000 like tomorrow versus yeah. like, investing the time into learning stuff and actually understanding more things. Uh, yeah, that, that's always a good bet, I think. So now what are your future goals? I think we are, we are really just focused on growing the current uh, protocol. So we're launching a bunch of new products in the next six months. And hopefully I think these products will get a lot more traction. And yeah, I, hopefully by the time the next cycle resumes, we'll be in like one of the best positions to, to, to win like the DeFi market. So I, I'm very excited for that. I'm excited for you too. I want to thank you so much for coming. I wish you the best and I'll definitely be following your project. Cool. Thank you very much. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.